Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I'm here with my co-host. You know him as Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what is up, man? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Great. I'm doing really good. I'm really good. Um, dang good, even. Whoa. Which we just talked Take- about, and that might even be better than great. I think it probably is. It takes it to a whole new level. Okay, Rod. Today... We had, or I guess it was yesterday, but recently we had an interesting conversation with Buck Joffrey, a longtime partner of ours, and we talked about a really interesting kind of compelling book called Die With Zero. Mm -hmm. It was written by a guy named Bill Perkins, and maybe before we get into kind of the premise, or we're not going to dive into a lot of it, but at least kind of the overview of it, why don't you tell us who Bill Perkins is, and then we'll hit on the premise of his book. Yeah, Bill Perkins uh, is self-proclaimed as one of the most successful energy traders in history, which means he a lot. A, he did have a billionaire um, mentor. Like he he is ultra yeah. successful. Absolutely. Um, but so, so it's probably not complete rhetoric. Yeah. So he's a head fund manager. Uh, he was a Hollywood film producer. Interesting. Uh, high stakes tournament poker player. He gets into that in his Love book. It. And that, was, that was always fun to, to hear about. Um, he calls himself that resident Indiana Jones for several charities. Oh, okay. okay. Does and that mean he's like saving the charity? Like, is that must what be like he's okay. defending them? Okay. That, that's noble. Cause Indiana Jones was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then his last thing says he, he regularly travels the world with close friends and family, which again, he gets into he a lot of that into- in his book. Yeah. Okay. So the book is called mm-hmm. die with zero. And guess what? The idea is to die with zero money. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple, straightforward, right? Now we all know that that's really like, like when you hear that, it's kind of like, huh? Like, yeah, that seems like a lofty goal, and you know, you have to ask yourself whether it even makes sense. But let me be really clear here: he's talking to people with disposable money. There's some philosophical things that I think can be sure. really helpful, like the idea of you know looking for and valuing experiences more than time and money. Mm-hmm. Like all of us can take that to heart. But when we're talking about dying with zero from a money perspective, this is really uh, a way from his perspective as an engineer to get maximum life value. Like that's what he's going for. Yeah. Yeah. The subtitle of the book says getting all you can from your money and your life. So again, it's not just about money, but basically what he's saying is, is if you have the money, don't just hoard it and leave it to the end, but like make good use of it. You're, you had something in mind when you chose to do what you do and and when you choose to go to work every day and, and make money. So don't let time pass and miss those opportunities to take advantage of opportunities that you wait too long and they're gone or, or, you know, you pass early or those around you pass early and you lose opportunities to, to do it. So, so you be intentional about what you're doing with life. Yeah. And I thought it, it's very thought provoking, right? Like, so like you said, there's some like extreme statements, but at the end of the day, like even those extreme statements can, if you take a second to think through the why behind why they're being said, like there's real value in there. Absolutely. Real value. Okay. So here's what happened. Um, Buck sent us a message maybe a month or so ago and said, Hey guys, I ran across this book. I just read it. I thought it was really good. Um, Bill Perkins wrote it and he said, maybe we should do a podcast together to talk a little bit about the book, um, which we thought was great. It was a lot of fun to read. Uh, when we got on there, I thought it was really funny. Buck said that uh, basically he said that he brought us on for two reasons. One, because he couldn't get Bill Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> right. And number two was because as he was reading it, he was thinking about the types of strategies that we often talk about with people specific yeah. to life insurance. Right. So I'm not going to get it. We're not going to get into that now because that's what we get in, into in our conversation. But basically our conversation with Buck is some philosophical stuff on like, you know, what he's talking about, why he's talking about it and you know, how we feel about some of those bold statements. And then the second half of it is really about, kind of some strategies that you could implore to practically do 
some of what he's saying. And when I say yeah. some of that, what I mean is to, to try to get more out of life experience by having plan some specific strategies and planning in place that allows you the opportunity to do those things, feel free with it, not having to worry about money. Absolutely. Yep. Well said. Okay, Rod. Well, if there's nothing else then, without further ado, we will get into our conversation with Buck Joffrey. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guests are, of course, uh, very well known to the Wealth Formula podcast are Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie of Wealth Formula Banking fame. Uh, guys, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Buck. Um, Always happy to be back, Buck. Thanks for oh, having good. us. Good, good, good. Um, and uh, you guys have an event of your own coming up pretty soon. You want to you wanna mention that real quick? Yeah, Rod, plug it for us. Absolutely, yeah. So May 4th, we have our virtual summit. We're calling it the Alternative Wealth Building Summit for High Income Earners. And we have some really cool speakers, uh, none less than Buck Joffrey himself will be joining yeah, us as, as one of our speakers. But we also have Sharon Lecter, Ken McElroy, uh, Adam Carroll, Tom Wilwright, Chris Larson, and ourselves. So anyway, we have a, a pretty cool lineup. That'll be fun. I, um, yeah, most of the people on this podcast have heard, heard my shtick before, but I assume there'll be a few others there listening as well. But um, yeah. So if, anyway, yeah, if you have anyone that's interested, they can check us out at mivirtualsummit.com. M-I? M-I, money, M for money, I ah, for got it. Mivirtualsummit.com. Yep. And it's just one, it's just like a pack day full of um, yeah. all sorts of good stuff. I think it's going to be really valuable. So thanks for letting us uh, throw it out on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So today, okay, so here's what happened, right? And um, I was reading this book, uh, Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. And I thought, boy, this is, you know, this is a, uh, this is a book that's very relevant to our cohort, you know, our, our wealth formula nation and the people not sort of working really hard and, and uh, uh, maybe not paying a lot of attention to their own lives and putting things off and that kind of thing. And so I had actually reached out uh, to uh, Bill Perkins and um, I think like I was not on his list of things that were worth time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, oh, okay I, I still appreciate the book i'm not gonna take it personally um i think you know there, there are some other podcasts that have had him who i think he he thought was uh maybe more worth his time but that's fine um anyway so this so this is a, a um this book uh called die with zero um again really what it, it's about is this idea of optimizing your life uh, by making the most out of your time, money, and energy. And it's divided like sort of, you know, into different parts. Um, but I want to kind of your, your guys's, well, first of all, let me give you my take, my initial sort of gestalt on it. I think it's a very interesting, um, uh, it's an interesting book. And I think it's worth a read because I think so many people in our, you know, in our world, I mean, they're, they're making a lot of money i mean relatively right and they're making mm -hmm. maybe half million a million whatever plus even even a few million doesn't matter um but most of the time in order to do that they are working pretty hard and they don't have a lot of time right. on their hands and that kind of thing and then the game becomes you know sort of the um uh, as he describes it you know the 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 this tyranny of more of constantly wanting more and constantly wanting more when the ultimate goal that he is uh, ascribing to is to, uh, you know, the goal is to die with zero. And what he means by that is using up all your resources, not just money, but time and, and also your energy before it's too late and, and, and you drop dead. Um, what's your, I'm curious on kind of like what that, those initial thoughts made you think of. So maybe I'll start first. I have a I have an anecdote that will that hit close to home in this because my own dad died at the ripe old age of forty nine from oh, pancreatic yeah. cancer. Oh, so how old are you, Christian? You can you know I'm almost forty. I'm turning forty okay. uh, in less than a month. Very young. So, but but here's the thing: like it, it does it does hit home in a really meaningful way when I think about this idea that my parents who uh, were probably upper middle class and maybe not as not maybe not as high income earner as the average person on this show uh, that's listening to our show here but but I think um, the principles absolutely applied 
he spent much of his life saving, working hard. He was like, like I said, kind of this upper middle class and, you know, he saved like crazy so that he could retire at the age of 55. That was his goal date. The problem was he just never made it there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like all of that, like, and that's where the idea of this really resonates is that you could spend all of your time, energy, effort reaching for this goal that you ultimately never get. And that, and so for me, like that was the initial reaction. And then I had this conflicting feeling of like the financial advisor in me. That's like, well, how (laughs) many people out here are just like happy to save anything. So we probably don't want to tell them to keep spending. But, but anyway, once, once I was able to like rectify the idea that it really has to do, like it is specific to the high income earner, high, uh, um, high net worth audience. This is not for people who don't have discretionary income. And he mentions yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway. And just to be clear, like, you know, just to be clear on this, like Bill Perkins is, you know, got a lot of money, right? He's like a, a oil and gas yeah. hedge fund guy and all that stuff. So, so some of this may, uh, you know, um, I think for some people reading it, I think it's going to be like, well, easy for you to say, buddy. But <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I think that it, it's relevant to various degrees to, to everybody. How about you, Rod? Yeah, my take is that uh, I think as he makes points, he he makes extreme points. So because and, yeah. and he himself, you know, admits that the the idea of dying with zero is probably not very practical unless you know the exact day and minute that you're going to die, and we don't know that. Right. But uh, but I think the principles are are really helpful to to just think about because, um, you know, he gives examples of people who uh, like like I, one one that comes to mind where, you know, the guy says, Hey, when I've, uh, when I've amassed, you know, 40 million, then, you know, punch me in the face if I don't retire. Right. And he didn't, right. he didn't retire. You know, he, he got into the, the, you know, 4 billion or something before he ended up retiring. And, and, you know, Bill's whole take on that was that that was even to him, even to the individual, when he could think rationally about it, that was unnecessary for his, what his goals were in his life to, to, you know, become a, a billionaire. Right. And yet when he was in the middle of it, it was just impossible for him to, to, to draw back and say, well, h- how do I stop this, this train? I think, I think the, um, you know, I think the analogy um, I think of is uh, some of it's also related to education too, right? Like um, this is, um, you know, we're, we're talking about in terms of money, but there's a lot of doctors on this show and I've gone through a ton of training. And I remember I was in college and uh, I got really into biochemistry and molecular biology. I was total geek. You know, I, I was not like a money oriented guy at all. I was a science guy. And um, I was to my chemistry professor, possibly doing MD PhD program instead of a MD program. And it would have been, you know, you know, more years. And then also it would probably end up with a postdoc and also, uh, you know, residency and all that stuff. And she said, you know, it's, it, it's, it's certainly something to consider, but just make sure, you know, you don't spend the rest of your life waiting to get where you want to be. And I think that's what a lot of us ultimately Absolutely. do, right? We, whether it's, whether it's the resources of time uh, or money or energy or whatever, we're just, we, there's like this, this idea that you're going to eventually get to the top of the hill and then you can start sliding back down, but you really haven't identified what the top of the hill actually is mm-hmm. and and i think that is a real problem now i'll tell you um just another anecdote for me like i mean i used to be a guy who just like spent very you know, i mean like i didn't spend any money at all right i mean um and then covid happened then a divorce happened and all this stuff and i'm like geez now i'm sitting around like you know i've got i've got all this money but like you know i'm not enjoying it right like, i'm not doing anything with it yeah. the next thing you know like years later now I'm like spending probably too much but um and that's not what he's advocating necessarily to spend too much but not really just constantly reminding yourself like okay you've made a lot of money now enjoy a little bit of it um do the things that are give you happiness not just about you know experiences it's about you know um you know vacations whatever it's doing things with your family and relationships too Right. That's not just again, it's not just monetary. It's all these things together. So I, I, I found that um, just sort of more for me, it was like a reminder. Right. Because we get into these situations where we just 
you know, run, we're treadmilling it, treadmilling it, treadmilling it. And to the point about this guy, I mean, there is, there is another aspect to that um, issue of the, you know, the, the 40 million, four, 4 billion guy. Mm-hmm. And that is, the exception of that is if you really, really enjoy something, I mean, it doesn't mean like, I mean, so like why give it up? Right. So that's the exception, but just make time for the other things you want to achieve in your life and actually think about it rather than um, just let life happen to you. So Buck, I can remember being on a show and you, or, or listening to your show and you mentioning that, that accumulating wealth is often viewed for successful people like a game, yeah. right? It's like how you keep score. Right. And that thought kind of resonates when I think about this. So the question is, can I, can I take a step back and actually think about, like you said, where that, where the peak lies, where I want it to be? Well, the problem is, is that it usually changes for most of us, right? My peak today, sadly, I don't know if it's sadly, it's very different than what my peak was a decade ago. And my guess is that what I believe will be, so, so part of it is almost like taking a practical and realistic approach about what we need and want and then determining like is going above and beyond something that's going to fulfill us in that way or does it make more sense to shift our efforts and maybe be more balanced and i think that's what he's advocating for balance and experience absolutely um one of the one of the concepts i thought too like going back to this idea of dying with zero it's not that he's saying don't leave anything for your kids, right? That's not okay. what he's saying. In fact, there's a there's a couple things that I think that are really important that we don't really think of. Um, he goes into some level of detail about how people often end up leaving their kids with a lot of money, but by the time they leave it, those aren't the times when the kids really needed the money anyway. So when he says die with zero, Part of that is give what you want to give today or not, you know, before you die and okay. rather than rather than waiting, which I think is a really important thing to consider, right? Like, for example, you know, if your kids are, if you're planning to give them a bunch of money when you die, I mean, why not help them out with the house uh, rather than let them struggle and stuff like that? Um, yeah. Takeaways on that? Yeah, really quick. So this this resonated for me as well. Again, my dad dies at 49. His parents are wealthy, like they're quite wealthy, probably, you know, $50 million type wealth. And certainly there could have been an opportunity. So now both of my, my mom passed away two years ago. And now this wealth that they have to give on, like, it's not even going to get to the second generation. Now, it'll still get to the to the third generation. But I think at the core, like it's it goes back to what you were saying and what he's suggesting in the book. There's huge value in making sure that you're taking the opportunity to to use those resources to create the experiences, because obviously you can't take them. You can't take money with you. Yeah. And it's about creating um, not just wealth for other children and your legacy, but also the experiences you potentially want them to have. I mean, I, I'm making it a point, you know, right now um, to every chance we get, like with my daughters and, and me, my, my three daughters, I mean, we'll, we'll just take off and go do something. And it's always going to be something that like, you know, that I know they're going to re- remember forever. I took my oldest to the Grammys. Um, you know, I took the three of them to the Taylor Swift concert and, uh, in Arizona and we went hiking, uh, while we were there, it's like things to actually remember this. So it's important to think of when you're giving, um, it's not money, but it's also about experiences. Uh, clearly the, the, those experiences cost as well. But my, my feeling on this is again, you know, why only accumulate? I mean, if for unless, okay, maybe you're in your twenties or something like that. Um, uh, and you accumulate a little bit more, but uh, on the other hand, there's also things in your twenties and your thirties, even in your forties, that you can know in your seventies, right? So try to yeah. things, and that's the story as well. Um, be, like say, and I'm not a guy who likes climbing mountains or anything like that. I'd rather not fall off a mountain. Uh, but uh, if that's what you do, do it while you're healthy. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't know what's going to happen later, right? 
Absolutely. And and like kind of you guys have talked about already, it, it seems like it's a it's about balance, right? right? And taking those opportunities while you have them and and recognize that being very intentional about the way you live your life, being thoughtful about what is realistic to do in in 20s, 30s, 40s that you won't be able to do later uh, and and vice versa. Um, but then also like, I really like what you said about uh, teaching your kids. And we have kind of a unique perspective in, in because of what we do, uh, specifically with Wealth Formula Banking, we have a lot of people who will be setting up policies where their children are the insureds. And uh, even while they're, while they're very young, minors, uh, you know, kids into their 20s. And then what they do is they still use the Wealth Formula Banking strategy but what they're doing is they're they're teaching their children as they're going. So as, when they're analyzing a, a property, for example, to or or any kind of investment, they're involving the children in those the due diligence and the, and the analysis of it. And then when when it comes time to to invest, then they're taking a loan from this policy. And especially with when they're minors, the the owner of it is still the the adult, right, the parent. But just just the fact that it has the kid's name on it as the insured, and, and that eventually that money's that that policy is going to go to the child, psychologically it just makes a very different experience for them as they're learning the ropes, so to speak. And I want to get back to that because I think this uh, the, how insurance plays into that uh, in a second because I think that's the reasons we have you guys join me with this. But but let's uh, just just moving on with the other topics. To actually talks about allocating resources. He is here by training, so you know, he he approaches with a very, um, you know, very uh, you know, almost cheat right. We're got um, allocating your resources, and you know, he's he's got these things. He's got these different separated uh, currencies, so to speak. One is money, one is energy, one's time, and effectively, his idea is that okay, um, you know. You basically got to allocate your resources. You have limited resources. So what do you want to set the rest of your life? And the idea is, again, to accumulate, not just, uh, it's, it's about trading in financial resources or other assets, namely memories. I think that's kind of what he's, there are things that you can't do, not be able to do when you're 80 or 90, um, Although with my new podcast, you may find that you may be able to. Um, I thought about that as I was reading. Yeah, I know. But the, so 80s and 90s, uh, you may not be able to climb that mountain, but if you at least you can remember doing it. And that's there's some value in there, significant value in there, right? Um, and then you take that and then you take the things that are important and then you eliminate the rest. And, and that's probably why he accepted my invitation to be on the show. <laughs> Because it wasn't a great use of his time or whatever. But um, uh, I, I think that's important. So do you guys think, okay, so I think this, I've, I've talked about this in another way before, but do you say no enough oh, in your own? I see what you're saying. Hmm. Hmm. Let me give you an example. Like here's a, here for me, um, and and I got this, uh, this advice from Dean Graziosi, who's, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. a, a marketer, a very good real estate guy. Uh, Dean said that, um, he said, saying yes got me to 10 million and saying no got me to 100. Mm. And 100 million. Yeah. And, and it actually did something I really thought about a lot because I think, you know, I actually, um, I don't, I don't really go, you know, there's a lot of things I just don't do anymore because, I look at them very much as a, why am I doing this kind of thing? Right? Like for example, yeah. um, it's rare. You'll, you'll never see me. You'll almost never see me at an event. Um, like one of these podcasts, like investing invest uh, uh, events, unless it's mine. Of course it's mine. It's there's a value <laughs> for, for me. And like, I think it's worth it for my, my, my listeners, but like, I don't go to a lot of these things it's, and it's nothing against, you know, the people who are putting it on, but I'm like, really, what am I going to, you know, what am I really going to get out of this? And then the amount of time and then, you know, time away from kids, time that I could allocate to others. I don't, I just, a lot of times it just won't do it. And, and so it's very rare when I'll do that. Um, I still, uh, it, it's hard for me um, with phone calls. I know, uh, you know, we have Wealth Formula Network and I spend a lot of time, I spend, 
my fixed time with those individuals that, um, but you know, a lot of people want to have one-off conversations with me, which I would love to do, but it's really just not really practical anymore. It's very difficult to do that. It's not the best way for me to, to give back. So it's, so I can't really do that. So I'm, I'm curious on your own experiences, whether you've uh, experienced that or at least thought about some of those things that you could eliminate and therefore um, free up more of your life to do other stuff. So you're probably getting from Rod and I like two varying ends of that spectrum, right? I probably fall more on your side, Buck, where I tend to like, in fact, I probably think too many things are a waste of my time. Yeah. Um, and Rod's just like, oh, he just like, he has the conversations. He's always good to have the conversations. It's amazing, really. Um, yeah. His like stamina and energy. Um, but it's something that we as a business and like even even the way that we work with your 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 clients like that has become so much more efficient over time. So I think that that's like yeah. something we're constantly thinking about. The question I that, that's starting to go through my head is am I, am I thinking enough about that on a personal level? Because I feel like right. I do that on a business level. Well, business I'm not sure if business. I do on a personal. Yeah, business is business, Christian. I mean, that's that's a totally thing that's that's different, in my opinion. But I think, like you have a dis, you know, you have choices whether you're gonna, you know, people invite you to things and you don't really want to go. Do you go anyway just to be nice? You know, you know what I mean. There's there's lots of those kinds of things that I feel like on a daily basis, like I don't know, we don't we don't really think of the 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 um, time and energy as a resource that's limited and, and, and look at it the same. You might look at something and decide whether you want to buy it. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm just going to second what Christian said, because uh, I was really shocked. Like he, he's a big sports fan, but I was shocked to find yeah. out that he, he has no, I shouldn't say no interest unless he's going with someone that really means a lot to him. He has no interest in going to the arena or to the field to, to actually watch the game. Cause he, again, I think it's a time thing. It's also a comfort thing. Just, Hey, he can create a better environment in his own home or whatever. Um, whereas I, I'm the guy that's like, Hey, you know, you invite me to the game. I'm, I'm going to go. Right. So, well, yeah, that's different. Like, you know, that's a different experience altogether. I mean, I think it, like, you know, like watching sports, if you really wanted to watch the Super Bowl you, and, and enjoy it the most, you probably watch it on, uh, on TV if you really want to see every play and watch the ball. But, you know, like my friend, um, uh, I have a, have a friend who's a, a part owner of a, the uh, uh, Seattle Kraken Kraken uh, expansion team. Yeah, uh, and um, he he was nice enough to like fly us up to Seattle this weekend on Saturday, and um, and and sit in the owner's box and watch the game with him. Cool. That was, yeah, that's really that cool. Was definitely worth my time because it was yeah. so fun. What a great experience, you know. Um, so yeah, I get it. Like, but I think, you know, you, you, you do need to, you do need to, uh, I think pay attention to things that you say yes and things that you say no to. And they, they also like, they relate to things in business too. A lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. um, I get a lot of, you know, I get a, um, a lot of, uh, calls from people who want to do business for me or, 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 you know, emails and random things. And I don't want to be rude about it, but I'm not, I mean, what, you know, if I answered every one of those, you know, things uh, that, that that I don't think that very, very unlikely that anything was going to work, actually be a benefit to our listeners. I, I just wouldn't have any time to do anything and be creative and try to uh, try to do things that are productive for this audience or for myself. So, but can I throw out a question or just a thought here? Yeah. We're switching yeah. gears just a little bit. So, one of the areas that I felt the most like internal conflict in was when the author was talking about when he, he worked on worked on wall street he was making like i think he said sixteen thousand dollars a year and he'd been trying to scrimp and save goes to his boss yeah. the bo- boss basically says that's a terrible idea what were you thinking like you, you're gonna make so much more money later that you shouldn't be trying to scrimp to save this thousand dollars so mm-hmm. that was the it was that kind of extreme thought that i i, I had like that conflict. I'm like, oh, you can't tell, you can't tell people making 20 grand to spend more money. Right. 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 But, but from a principled standpoint, like 
it does make a lot of sense. And I look back on my own life and I probably focus too much on work and th those types of things and not enough on like my health. So like money's great, but it doesn't do you any good if you're not healthy. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I just, I thought about that and I felt conflicted, but I will say like, it's, it keeps going back to balance. Um, I don't think I'm going to tell the, you know, the 21 year olds that are making 15 or 20,000 that they need to spend more. Um, but from a, like a philosophical principle standpoint, I absolutely think that we need to do more to enjoy money. Uh, he gave the example of like European countries who take far more time for other things, right? Personal time, leisure, travel. Um, and anyway, that resonated with me. It seems like something that I should probably take note and do a little more of myself. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, I mean, it reminds me of my, um, when I was a medical student and I was, uh, was working in this, um, this lab, this neurosurgery lab, as you guys may know, I started out in neurosurgery residency. Um, and I was talking to the attending surgeon who was like my, um, my boss. And I was telling him about something and, um, you know, he's, he's, and I was like, you know, I don't really, I don't really have any money to do that. And he's like, dude, just borrow the money from your school. It's like super low rates and all stuff like that. And he's like, you know, he's like, you're going to be, you're going to be a physician and whatever that, you know, if you borrow 10 grand to do something now and eventually it's going to be, so what you granted, you know, 10 grand later in, in your future when you're already on this, um, I guess this track to go on and make multiple six figures is is nothing right um and actually that actually was really good advice i thought because um at least in that scenario like i wasn't you know an aimless 19 20 year old i was like a kid on a trajectory mm -hmm. right i knew it was going to make money so if i was going to really if i knew i was going to make money then yeah it made sense then don't worry that much about like uh, you know, putting five grand away necessarily in a Roth IRA or something like that, just spend it. I, I, I totally, totally get that. I, I think that's the different thing. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, um, this is probably a good time to pivot because again, why do I have Christian and Rod with me talking about, uh, um, die with zero? Uh, well, first of all, like I said, Bill Perkins, I ended up being on his eliminate the rest, uh, list and, um, and then when I, but when I think of death, I think of Christian and Rod. <laughs> and I know we're flattered. <laughs> we're flattered. <laughs> so you guys know this story, right? Like when I got, uh, you know, I got the old guard COVID, OG COVID before the vaccine and stuff. And I remember um, waking up and I had all the symptoms and I was getting tested and while I was getting tested and I knew I had COVID because I knew someone had given it to me. Um, I said, uh, I said, what am I going to, what am I going to need? Okay. I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to try to get the monoclonal antibodies, try to like mitigate my risk of dying here. And then at the same time, I'm going to call Rod. Good call. I'm make He's sure. my first call too. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to call Rod and make sure everything's good everything's good okay so that being said so i associate you guys with death and um yeah I uh, take that as a compliment i guess but the um the concept here of die with zero and i thought this was um this this is a this is an opportunity i think to emphasize the potential role of various insurance um opportunities particularly if you talk about like well, formula banking where you're obviously like leaving, you know, you're using that money with death benefit. So kind of like the idea of using these, um, you know, putting death, uh, I'm putting, putting die, uh, with zero in the context of like, say a wealth formula, bank, see how you could make it work. Like, could you, you know, to me, life insurance in this way is almost like a, a back, like, okay, so even if I screw everything up, right? At least it's, you know, this money for my everything up and whatever, lose a bunch of money. Um, so I'm, I'm curious on your take on that because the idea in theory would be, okay, 
now you've got a bunch of money. You're giving a bunch of you're you're you you've bought some and you've got a big lump sum that they're going to get no matter what. Then you can, with some more confidence, spend the money on yourself and give them money while you're living and have those experiences with greater um, peace of mind. Did this cross your mind at all when you're reading this? So Rod and I have done a little bit of uh, communicating back and forth on this over the last few days. And Rod, I think you probably take this one. Okay, you take the angle on wealth yeah. formula banking and I'll take more of a premium finance angle because I think both of them are super relevant, but we'll let yeah. you hit this one. Yeah, and um, what, what you just described, Buck, is what we we call kind of that permission slip to, to spend. Because if yeah. because I know that that I'm going to have this this insurance that kicks in, um, and you know I should also say you know he he addresses this in terms of like a long term care type of perspective. So there's the what I'm passing yeah. on to my kids. There's the what if I get sick when I'm later in life and I've I've kind of spent this money. Then then what happens? And that's the cool thing about these because policies you, that we set you up. You can add that on to these. That's that's because yeah. so you can because you can add these things on the policy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And there's no additional cost to adding that rider on the front end. There's no reason not to. So we include these, they call it the chronic illness rider that takes care of that long-term care. And then more to your point, there's that death benefit that's going to pay out and leave a legacy to your children, you know, almost regardless right now, we have people who are like, well, I don't care about the, the death benefit. I'm, I'm going to spend it down. I'm going to live off of it. And they do, right? So they get to that retirement age. They've built up all this value inside of the policy uh, they were using it for for investing, flowing the money in and out of their investments and, and making it more efficient as they did that. And then we call it phase two. They get to this this stage. We don't usually use the word retirement around here. It's just like, hey, I'm slowing down. I'm going to you know live more off of my cash flows and my investments and things like that. Well, the cash value in that policy becomes another source of, of that, in this case, tax-free income that you could cash flow that you can be creating during your retirement years. And you can spend that down as low as you want. Um, and, and again, there's still going to be some death benefit there or, or not. Like you temper that a little bit and you and you want to leave some death benefit. And so you, you tap into it when you need it. Um, maybe you have your regular expenses covered by the, the cash flows that you were able to create through your real estate investing or business or whatever it might be. But then when you need to buy a car or you need to, you know, you're going to go on the special trip or whatever, then you tap into this tax-free source of income in your policy to, to use that, but it's more on an as needed basis. And, and then again, this death benefits ultimately going to pass on and be that, be that legacy piece, but it's going to pay out regardless. Right. And whenever you pass away, that that's going to be part of it. Yeah. So it's, again, it's, to me, it's the backstop, right? Like yep. you screw up, you accidentally, you know, whether that's, you know, you screw up in your finances, whether, you know, you, you, you get COVID and die, um, on your way after talking to Rod, <laughs> um, or, you know what, it's a backstop. And to me, that's a, if you have that backstop, it's a lot easier to digest everything else in this book. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Christian, what were you going to say about premium finance? Because that's a different role. Cause now you're just really, truly accumulating. Right. Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to suggest to you, Buck, that I think that uh, the premium finance side is the most effective way to accomplish this die with zero. Okay. Okay. So cool. let me try to lay it out here. So he he basically suggests that um, obviously we want to spend more money, but he uses the the challenge of not knowing when we're going to die. Right. He tries to create this like death date. Well, it's hard to create a death date, but what you could do is you could buy an annuity, which is guaranteed to run your lifetime. And he suggests in the book, right? So he says, hey, one thing that a person could do, and just think of it this way, Buck, let's say that I had $100 million and I know I need a million dollars a year to live off comfortably. I could just purchase this uh, income annuity, let it pay out for the rest of my life. And I've at least got that part now covered, right? Mm -hmm. And then what he suggests is, well, that, that works great, except that there is the possibility that later in life, I could need more money if long-term care and medical expenses come up. Well, if that's the case- Most people, that's the case. So. Exactly. So what does he suggest to do there? He says, long-term care insurance, right? So here's what I would suggest. Um, and this is kind of where my head went. Using premium finance is basically a more, can be, can be, and is a more effective 
way to accomplish both of those things. So if our objectives are one, to make sure that we have enough money to live, right? Premium finance does that because of leverage, right? It creates leverage into our income so that, well, let's put it this way, Buck. If I were to compare my, uh, you know, simple income annuity that I get from a life insurance company versus the payouts expect, even, I mean, even if we went like, you know, 30% of the payouts expected in the premium finance model, it would strongly outperform what we're expecting from the annuity. So just from an income basis, yeah. it's yeah. more, it's more powerful in that way. Well, yeah, additionally, no additionally, you've got this uh, death benefit. And if I have leverage on the death benefit, that means I have more leverage on the long-term care benefit as well. So from my perspective, I looked at this and I was like, okay, like the way to accomplish this, although I have one other thought, and that is that why not leave a legacy if you can? So yeah. again, he's suggesting you know, get long-term care insurance. And, and again, this is just one, one example, but what I'm suggesting here is you could accomplish those things in a more um, efficient, impactful, powerful way, and still leave a massive death benefit all at the same time. And so yeah. from that standpoint, my thought is why not do both? Well, that's right. And, and like, to your point, um, you know, you still have grandkids, there, you still have other, you know, uh, descendants that can benefit from the, your successes it's not you know so it's not it's not like uh it's not like you're doing this for nothing and i also would just emphasize the point that you made earlier i think rod that i mean this is i think a very good conceptual framework but it it's i mean like most of us would not go down this road of saying we're going to try to literally we're going to try to you know uh, use up all of our money while we're living in, right. in some way or another. Like it just, it's not realistic in my view that most people would do that. Certainly wouldn't do, I certainly wouldn't do that. But hopefully you have enough money where you can, you know, I think again, um, take the lesson of not, you know, not just hoarding it and continuously, um, continuously using it. But Rod, um, I mean, I'm uh, actually Christian, can you remind us though, because I know we just kind of have been using premium finance here, but for anybody who's listening, who, who actually doesn't know what you're talking about, maybe you can explain how, um, in brief, how premium finance works. Yep. Yeah. Happy to. So, so basically what we're doing is we're purchasing a life insurance policy or policies utilizing the bank's money primarily. It might be a small percentage of our own money, but then we're, we're using leverage. So it's basically like buying life insurance the same way that most of us would invest in real estate. I might put 10% or 20% down on my life insurance policy. That gives me the opportunity to leverage the death benefit and the living benefits, which we talk about. So, so anyway, that's just a really kind of simplified overview. But if you think about it, it's pretty logical, right? If I can amplify the things that are happening here, it just makes it more powerful. And life insurance is incredibly unique in the sense that it's one of those few assets that you can leverage. It's just naturally built within it. Yeah. So um, we've used the term uh, wealth accelerator as well. So does this uh, the wealth accelerator is a type of premium finance? Are you thinking of this in the context of wealth accelerator? And, and maybe you can explain again specifically what wealth accelerator is yeah yep happy to okay so in the wealth accelerator model we we change up a traditional premium finance a little bit most most premium finance models are a little bit more aggressive than we like to go so we take kind of we call it conservative leverage right we want to use leverage but we want to use it really wisely so we've we've developed or kind of in in concord with a few other people developed a strategy that allows you to use premium finance without having outside leverage with outside collateral sorry yeah the leverage is there the collateral is not basically non-recourse right it's non-recourse like non yep, yeah that's an easier way to say yeah. it so so simply put uh i'll give an example in the wealth accelerator model i might have i might decide that i want to have a million dollars go into it over time um Again, I'm just throwing a, a random example out. Maybe I put the first hundred thousand or the first couple hundred thousand into it, and then I let the bank fund it from there on out. And basically, what's happening is I'm getting all of the the benefits of life insurance built in the way that we do it to create 
income and um, and the other benefits, but specifically to create income, uh, that's really kind of the model that we're looking for. And of course, again, if I think about this in terms of how it works in comparison to like, like uh, income annuities, which again is the example, it's just like a way to do the same thing, but do it significantly more, like to do it better, right? I, I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other uh, one other thought on that, like I mean, as you guys know, I've been sort of tinkering with a lot of different things because I, um, I'm focusing, you know, I'm, fo I'm trying to like, you know, make sure that I've got legacy covered, right? So you just never know. And, um, and I have, um, purchased like when I was, uh, even a few years ago, right? Like when I was, um, and I'm still in good health, but I was thinking to myself, well, I'm still in good health and you know, I'm relatively young. I'm going to buy a huge amount of, of a convertible, uh, term insurance. So basically what that is, it's, so I can, I bought a bunch of term insurance when I, you know, when it was uh, maybe five years ago or something like that. And um, it was a lot, right? Like, so if I, if I were to try to convert that in or do that all in one year, it would be a, a huge premium. So I didn't mm -hmm. do that, but I wanted to have the option and I didn't want my um, premiums potentially to be higher because I was older or maybe I developed some health problem and so on and so forth. So I grabbed as much term as I could, I maxed it out. It was pretty cheap. Um, but now I'm thinking, well, I've got it there. One of the things that I may do is, uh, what I'm thinking about doing is every year may ping off some of that term, converting it, um, uh, and, and doing this kind of concept. So then, you know, you're, the nice thing about that is that you're, um, every year you are doing your job in terms of increasing, uh, you know, the legacy that you're going to have and put, uh, you know, over time, but it, you know, you, you're not putting a huge amount at once, but you're getting it to work. Uh, and then it may be a benefit from, you know, if you want to use that money later for quote unquote retirement or whatever, but I, what do you think of that strategy? Well, so it, it absolutely sets. So first off, Buck, I think you did a fantastic job of buying term insurance. Um, I was impressed. That was before we met you. Uh, the only thing I would say is don't buy your term insurance from Northwestern Mutual. But other than that, but yeah, like that was a really good move because it's allowed, it's been a catalyst and allows you to do a lot of things with it moving forward that you just right. may not be able to otherwise. So I really love that advice. Um, and then I forgot where I was going on the second point. Yeah, I can, I can so, take that from there. Yeah. Okay. So, cause you talked about, uh, like going in by steps, right? The wealth accelerator, yeah. but instead of, instead of saying, well, I'm going to set aside a million dollars now or $2 million now, I'm going to phase into it by setting aside, you know, a couple yeah. hundred thousand a year for the next five or 10 years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have a lot of people who do that. We, I call it stacking. So it's the exact yeah. same thing as Christian just described. We're always staying ahead of the curve so that the the cash value we're creating in the policy by itself is enough to cover, cover the collateral. We don't have to come up with collateral from outside. But but you can build into it and do it on in bite-sized pieces, or or we have people who will say, hey, well, I just I just sold my practice and I have the two million right now. I'd rather just just jump in and do it, and and so I, you know you can do it all at once. The, that's the beautiful thing is it works either way. You get you can work towards this benefit, and then we just build it to to where the person is at this point in time. I like so, these, I like these concepts because it reminds me of sort of like a Swiss Army knife, right? Like it's one thing, but you can really use it for so many different yeah. things it's legacy cash flow stuff like that and and i think like it really works um if you're thinking about like this whole concept die with zero or you want to like really enjoy your life in the in the right now without necessarily worrying too much about retirement without necessarily worrying about legacy it kind of is that swiss army knife that's covering everything yeah actually that's what i was going to jump in and say is that what's really nice about using like the wealth accelerator as an example is you're literally doing both things, right? If die with zero, it understand or like um, taking a step back and experiencing things as a goal, then that helps you accomplish that because it's creating this guaranteed income stream that you could then move away from work and other things and allow that to pl to plug in. And so, 
you're literally accomplishing like all of those objectives, Swiss army knife style by using really any of those. And, you know, similar, I think the same thing applies uh, with wealth formula banking. They just have like slightly, you know, different, uh, there's there's probably a few details that are different, but they have a similar impact. Yeah, I, I actually, Rod, I'm kind of with you on this one. I are not Rod with Christian. I'm not Christian. I'm on Christian's side here. Um, I kind of really like this concept with uh, Accelerator. I really think it's a really cool thing to to do. And I and I, I do highly recommend, by the way, if people are contemplating these kinds of like permanent types of things, but you're not sure you want to do it, just go get yourself some con term convertible, convertible term through Rod and Christian because it's cheap and that'll give you options and you won't regret it if, you know, two years down the line, all of a sudden you develop diabetes and or like some sort of coronary artery disease and and now no one wants to give you insurance right yeah uh, can i just tell you i wish that i had done that um i don't have like any huge health issues but yeah. enough so that it would create some challenges for me and i look back and i think I, if i would have done that i would have been in a better place no question anything else guys or is it i think that's that's a pretty good wrap i think though uh combining this with you know some of the things that we can do practically absolutely yeah. Yep, I think it's a good overview for sure. Great. Well, listen, um, the you can learn more about these strategies by contacting Rod and Christian. Um, but I think the best way to do it is probably to go to wealthformulabanking.com. And I forget, guys, is there a there there's something with the accelerator on there, right? There's a webinar with there's. accelerator. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's the one that that uh, Christian's talking about. Um, and anyway, check it out. I think it's it's worthwhile. And again, I highly recommend reading this this book, Bill Perkins, Die With Zero. I think, you know, I, I personally don't look at it as a manual that I would necessarily follow to a T, but I think there's um, pretty compelling things to think about. And um, I, I would highly recommend picking up a copy. Uh, but that's all for this week. Um, guys, thanks so much for being on the show and doing a little book club with me. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Buck. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.